put your hands together right now and welcome my friend and the man of God, Brother Travis Lavender. God that I feel in Kansas City. It's the same God that I felt in the mountains of Nicaragua. It's the same God in this place today. God is so good. Thank you, hospitality. Thank you for the basket. Everything has been great. Thank you for the greeters. This church is blessed. Sister Kim, oh, it's so good to hear your voice again. Thank you for using your talent for the kingdom of God. Thank you, sister. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you could, you could go anywhere in the world with that voice, but you use it for the kingdom of God. Amen, yes. I would love for my wife, Rachel, to come up here and greet you guys if she feels okay to do that. from the Shy Society Club. <laughs> Until I know you, and then it's game on. And I, I've been here before, so I'm just going to say, hey, it's game on. We're old friends. Um, I see some new faces, some um, people that I've already met, and some new ones. But I just want to say praise God that he, that your pastor is instant in season and out of season, and his Christmas sweater is ready, poised and ready to go. I am so excited. I love Jesus. I love fun. So that is, I just, I love that. I love that you guys are doing that. So I just, um, in praying, I've been praying for months for Bethel Church. Um, I love this church. I love the depth of worship that I feel in this church when I walk in. Um, this is, you know that when you walk in and you start hearing the worship, that this is a path that's already been paved for others that are coming before them. And it is a beautiful thing. But I want to just tell you, I'm... Um, I'm just a real person, so I'm just going to talk to you about my life, something that I went through this year, and tell you that the blessings of God, the blessing of God enriches and adds no sorrow to it, Proverbs 20, or Proverbs 10, 22. So I don't know if you guys do this, but the beginning of every year, I ask God for one word. I, I journal, and I'm like, God, give me a word. What's my word for this year? But this year, God did not give me a word. He gave me a the assignment, an assignment, and it was Philippians 4, 6. And that verse says, Rachel, do not worry about anything. Pray. Pray about everything. Give thanks to God for all that he has done. So I have been parked in Philippians all year. But I got to tell you, um, the problem was that most of the year I did not feel like expressing thanksgiving. I was going through some things. Have you guys ever had um, what I would call a Job 30-20 moment? And it goes like this. God, I cry for help and you do not answer me. I stand and you only look at me. So here's the thing. All of God's beloved are led to the wilderness. And the wilderness is an interesting place because this is where relationship is built. And the wilderness, it brings us to a Luke 
11-9 moment. And this moment goes like this. Where there is longing, there is asking. Where there is emptiness, there is seeking. And where there is silence, there is knocking. You might be in a silent period, and it might be by his design. If so, I would say to you, hold on tight, hold on tight to the truth. Because the word tells us, the hungry and thirsty, they will be satisfied. As I mentioned this, this portion, so I went through a sorts of changes this year. And no area of my life was left unscathed. Motherhood, marriage, even church life. Life has many moving parts, and it's constantly changing. And there were literally times that I was felt like I was grasping for spiritual straws while I was blindfolded. But spiritual discernment whispered to me, Rachel, do not worry. Pray without ceasing. Come to my gates with thanksgiving. I ask you, are you stuck in the desert? Well, Please know that you are not in the desert alone. There is great reward in surrendering, and there is great reward in trusting his plans. So here we are, halfway through the year. God's still trying to teach me the lesson. Rachel, pray without ceasing. Come to my gates with thanksgiving. But you know, some of us have some very heart-deep prayers that we are praying and those prayers have not been answered. And so we're wondering, where are you, God? And so here I was walking around. Instead of walking around in my assignment, I was walking around in the heavy load of my deep prayers. So alone, one day in my car, drive, driving down uh, the highway, going to work, I kind of lost it. I lost it in tears, and I cried out to God, and I said, God, you already know. You see. You hear. Why aren't you answering me? I almost scared myself, because who talks to God like that? But you know what <laughs> happened? A warmth came into my car, and a peace whispered over me, shh, Rachel, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the half that has never yet been told. I was like, wait, what, God? You're giving me an old hymn? What is this about? But then I put that song on, and every single word of that song gave reassurance to me. So praying for you, Bethel, I moved back into this moment, in and out, in and out, thinking about this word. And so I know that there are some of you here that you are still praying those heart-deep prayers, and you are still wondering, where are you, God? But I would tell you and declare to you 2 Corinthians 2, 9, but it is written, no eye has seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for you. God will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. He will answer, and that is Isaiah 30, 19. We have book for this. He will hear you. So I did declare to you, Bethel, it will be your half that has never yet been told. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
have altar call now. <laughs> I uh, honestly did not. My wife had been praying about this, and, and, and as Pastor Greg says, we are a team. And I asked her if she felt like it didn't put in words that, that I, I wanted her to do that. And in that, I didn't ask to listen or read what she had prepared. And, um, but I think it's a confirmation of the word that what I'm about to speak on. And we would like to go before the Lord in word. And I'm taking my text out of Romans 8. And I'm reading out of the NLT. Because as my bishop would say, I like to find what I what fits my my style a little better to read what how I want to read it. But uh, I, I love uh, the King James Version, the New King James Version. But I, but I just like how this text reads. Let's, it says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Yes, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who would dare accuses us from God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us the right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and raised us to life. And everything ever separate us from Christ's love. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we are threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say amen to the word? Lastly, I'm going to read out of Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me. By putting anointing upon my head with oil, my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Jesus, for your word today, God. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be safe, Lord. Lord, I thank you, God, that we can turn to your word today, God, Lord, and find the strength that we need, God, in times of trouble, in times of desperation, Lord. 
Lord, we just ask you, God, to have your way, Lord, with the rest of this service, God. Lord, we come against every distraction, God. I plead the blood over this house today, God. Lord, let there be encouragement today, Lord, loosed in this place, God. Lord, let there be revelation loosed in this house today, God. Because, Lord, we are here ultimately, God, for you, Lord. Everything revolves around you, God. And we praise your name, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I was preparing for this service today, I sought the Lord and I asked Him for a direct word. I felt the Lord speak this into my spirit of what I'm about to share with you. My prayer for today, with the help of the Almighty, is to bring hope to the hopeless. To bring encouragement to the discouraged. To shed light in the dark that someone feels they are walking in. I'm going to take these next few moments that we have together and simply preach to you lessons learned in the valley. A famous quote from Winston Churchill states, mountaintops inspire leaders, but valleys mature them. I could almost bet if I was to take a vote by the showing of hands that a large majority of us do not enjoy the valley. Why is it that the valley has gotten such a bad reputation? Why is it when Christians hear the word valley, our first thoughts are of isolation, darkness, and troubles? As I begin to unpack this message, I'm going to share with you some of my own personal revelations of what the valley means to me and how to navigate through them. Amen? To understand the valley, we must first define what the valley is. It is defined as a low area of land between two hills or mountains typically with a river or a stream flowing through it. Remember this because we're going to come back to it later. The first thing we need to understand is that the valley is unavoidable. I would love to tell you that when you come to Christ and surrender everything to him, that your troubles are going to vanish. But I'd be lying. You know, Some would almost say that troubles intensify once you become a part of the body of the Christ. To take it one step further, if you're not experiencing any struggles and come up against the adversary, then I would worry that maybe you're not in a good place to begin with. If the enemy is not paying any attention to you. The devil does not fight the things that he has conquered or has a stronghold on. With valleys being unavoidable, we need to make sure and do our part and not add to these experiences by the choices we make. We have to realize that we are on a journey in our walk with Jesus. And not every day is going to be a mountaintop day. Not every day is going to be an easy, brisk stroll through the daisies and the green, lush prairie grass. Some days we're going to have to grit and bear it, take what the trail throws at us, and know that Jesus will see us through. Amen. Since we know that this is unavoidable, it will only be a matter of time before we have to begin to looking around the corner for the next thing to happen. But every saint of God should learn to have spiritual, spiritual awareness. In that preparation, we need to make sure that we are putting on the whole armor of God, covering ourselves and our families in prayer, staying in the word, staying connected to the body, 
will help us sustain and help us find ourselves out of the valley. The second thing the valley has taught me is that it's unprejudiced. The valley doesn't care if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're young, if you're old, if you've been living for the Lord for two months or 20 years. The valley is not prejudiced at all. It is so easy to look at our brother and sister and to think that they have it all put together and that they have no struggles. It's easy at times to find ourselves questioning God and saying, why did he heal their loved one? And mine's been given six weeks to live. Lord, I've been praying for my backslidden child for ten years now. And you brought the several others back, but yet I'm still here waiting. Lord, I sure would like that promotion that I've been passed over several times. God, do you even care? Can't you see that I'm struggling? Am I the only one here that feels like everything in their life came about the hard way? Maybe I just have a knack for choosing the hard path. If someone showed me an easier path, I'd be the guy that would take the roundabout way just to prove that I could. Something I've observed is that some people can come to the Lord and it seems like instantly that God can put their life together. But some of us, it takes a little longer to iron out the wrinkles. We all have different experiences when it comes to the Lord. But don't for one second discount the struggle that has made you into the man or God that, that you are today. It's those experiences that we build on, that we build our faith upon those, and that God strengthens us. I can honestly say that God's fingerprints are on everything, from my job to my wife to the cars I drive, to the home I live in. God has provided for us and brought me through several valleys that I could not see, but he somehow made a way. Amen. I remember several years ago when it seemed like everything that could fall apart fell apart. I cried out to God and I asked him, why is all this stuff happening to me, God? I, I'm going to church. I'm submitted to my pastor. I'm paying my tithes. I don't understand, God. And it's okay. It's okay to have those questions. But if I ever heard the, the voice of God, he told me, but those were your choices, Travis. But to be still, and that he was going to work it for my good. Praise God. Praise God that we can't see sometimes two feet in front of us. But God sees the big, bigger picture, amen? amen? The truth of it is that it doesn't matter who you are or what your last name is. We're all going to experience the valleys in our life. But let me encourage you with these words. Psalms 37, 23-25. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. 
I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Saying to God, I can encourage you today to get back up and to continue on. I don't care how many times you've fallen. Jesus is here to pick you up and sustain you once again. God sees right where you're at today. And he will provide you with all the needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 41 and 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If we can remember that God is always with us, that he will see us through all in any trial, then we will learn to navigate these valleys and not always develop a spirit of why me, God. Here we go again. There's always a bigger picture. That if we have a hard time seeing it, Take, for instance, Paul and Silas when they were thrown into jail. It would have been easy to become disgruntled and start asking God all the whys. But God knew that there was a prison guard there that needed to hear about Jesus. Because of that, that prison guard's family was saved that night. That's why it is so important to pray for discernment in everyday life. If you've walked with God for any length of time, you know what I'm talking about. If we are more in tune with the things of God, we can see things usually before they happen. The saying goes, if you're not going through a trial or any trial, well, get ready because you're about to head into one, right? <laughs> the third thing. The third thing that I have learned in the valley is that this is a place where we grow. It is the place where we stretch, we develop, and practice our faith. We all know the beauty of the mountaintop and what it holds. And the feeling of standing on the peak and overlooking the other mountains and valleys. But we are not transported there. We're not beamed up in a sense. No. We had to get there by our own means. Meaning we had to put one foot in front of the other and endure the grueling ascent to reach the top. There's usually always times of solitude when you are walking in the valley. A lot of time to think and ponder about your situation. And at some point, you have to have a plan to push through and continue to see your next move. Amen? The tallest mountain in the world, Mount Everest does not come without a cost. The rewards of the trek does not come easily. Everest Base Camp is at a high altitude path that requires considerable acclimatization over a good distance. You'll typically need 12 to 14 days of full trekking. That's with your rest days included, meaning you're walking on it even in your rest days, to complete the 80-mile round trip. The distance is roughly divided into individual daily sections of 8 to 10 miles. But the reason for the whole adventure takes so many days because it needs to be broken down into bite-sized chunks due to the altitude. With acclimatization and rest days mixed in. You start out your trek at a whopping 90 
400 feet and end up at Everest Base Camp Altitude, which consists of 17,598 feet. Wow. The takeaway here is that you can't just go from point A to point B overnight. It takes time to acclimate to your surroundings before continuing up higher up the mountain. This is what's called putting in the work. I love this quote from former boxing legend Joe Frazier. He's quoted as saying, you can map out a fight plan or a life plan, but when the action starts, it may not go the way you planned, and you're down to your reflexes. That means your preparation. That's when your road work shows. If you cheated in the dark of the morning, well, you're going to get found out now under the bright lights. The valley is our place of growth because we have won the battles in the valley. And the valley is where we learn to develop our spiritual muscles, if you will. We have been stretched, pulled, and under distress for unseeable times. This is where our faith grows substantially. Why do you think David was not worried about that, that morning when he stepped out in front of the armies of Israel? And he stood before the giant and yelled out, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Come on, somebody. Maybe it's time that we, we step up and yell at that giant that we're facing in that valley. Maybe it's time that we tell him we've had enough. That it's not just he, me that he's fighting, but it's God that he is going to fight. Oh, church, we need to start putting on a shout. We need to, we need to, we need to put a praise to our situation. Lord, I don't know if this sickness is unto death, but I'm going to praise you anyway. God, I don't know where my child is this morning, but I'm going to praise you because you know where they are in this exact minute, God. And I know that you're dealing with them, God. Lord, I don't know if I can make it another winter on my income, Lord. But your word says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Lord, I trust you. You've brought me through too much to turn back now. Lord, you've supplied all my needs. How can I, tr how can I not trust you for this season that I'm in now? Oh, let's just take a second to just, just to ask God into our situation. Lord God, you see where we're at today, God. Oh, Jesus, Lord, I just pray your blessings upon everyone in this room today, God. Oh, Jesus, I speak encouragement to the discouraged today, God. Oh, Jesus, Lord, break into this room, dear God, Lord, and have your way, Lord, in the hearts of every man and woman. Oh, Jesus, I thank you, God. Oh, thank you, Lord. The fourth lesson. That I have learned in the valley is that it's okay to show vulnerability to others. Church, we're not meant to go at this alone. I need you just as much as I need you. Did I say that right? I need you as much as you need me. Sorry. 
How many times have we had to endure hardships and valleys that caused us so much pain that all we wanted to do was just cry out? Does anyone see me struggling? How many times have we walked to the altar just to want to feel a hand placed on our shoulder and to someone to feel our pain and come alongside us and pray? Can I tell you this morning, there are people in this place you can trust. Brother and sister, I know you may have been let down by family and friends, but you're in a safe place. You have a wonderful pastor and first lady that will stand with you. I know it's hard to be open and honest with people because you may feel they might judge you or think differently because of your situation. Can I tell you you're in a judgment-free zone? Let me repeat that. Can I tell you you are in a judgment-free zone here today? You are in a safe place with people that care for your soul and want the absolute best for you. I would not be standing here today if it had not been for three men that came alongside me in my most troubling times and prayed with me and encouraged me. Church, we should always be looking for someone out of the ordinary. Bishop calls it moving slowly through the crowd. If there's someone who is known to be a worshiper, who comes in week after week and has lost that worship, there's something wrong. Don't wait for someone else to approach that person. Be that voice of encouragement or offer a prayer. And don't just stop there. Follow up and stay connected with them until they are standing on that mountaintop once again. Let's be the body of Christ. Let's allow the body to minister to us when we are going through things seeming overwhelming at times. Amen. One of the worst things that you can do is to isolate yourself in the valley. The old saying, there is strength in numbers, would apply here. Valleys already have a way of isolating us from those close to us if we allow them to because we have a tendency to let thoughts and feelings overwhelm us. Thoughts of, how am I going to pay this unexpected bill? How am I going to break the news of my recent doctor's visit to my family? It could simply be a valley of discouragement that you have found yourself in. And again, they tell you that no one cares. The enemy has a way of speaking to you in the valley. He would love nothing more than to plant seeds of discouragement, seeds of doubt, seeds of fear. But we come against those things in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord. That is why he is called the accuser of the brethren. He is the poster boy for what it means to be weak and would love to see you in that same state. This is why we need to stay connected to those close to us and learn to war and to battle in the valley by ourselves until we feel those reinforcements come alongside us. And they will. 
fifth and final thing the valley has taught me it's the most meaningful of all that I've talked about so far this morning the valley was meant to draw us closer to Jesus it's meant to bring us into deeper relationship with him communion with Christ can elude us in the good times we're on that mountaintop and it seems like everything's going great. But when we get in that valley, sometimes it's hard to shout. Sometimes it's hard to even lift up a hand. But the valley shouts to us, go to Christ. Run to Jesus. Our need for Jesus increases our desire for him. Once we understand that it was not of our own doing that got us into that valley, we must understand and seek why we are there. There was always a lesson to be learned in the valley. The worst thing to do is to run from the valley when it's Jesus who's calling you to it because he's longing for intimacy with you. The valley has different paths that we can walk, but I have found the one I will always choose the one that draws me closer to him. If I find myself in a dark, cloudy, overgrown valley that I can't seem to find my next step, I call on the only name that has come to my rescue every time. That name is Jesus, and without hesitation, he leaves the 99 to come and look for me. Thank you, Jesus. Just as a father loses sight of his child, he will search frantically until he finds it. The same is done when one of Jesus' child cries out to him. He is never failing. He is always an on-time God. Amen. The valley has a way of drawing us to deeper consecration because it causes us to pray more fervently will draw us to his word to help find our answers that we so desperately seek. Jesus is our light and the word is our map. Prayer and his word are the two essential tools that you find in the valley, that you have to have in the valley. And as I bring this message to the close, the musicians will come. I've heard people say, well, I've been in the valley for quite some time, and I feel like God has forgotten me, or he's just simply not listening to me. I'm sure we can all testify feeling that at one time or not in our walk with God. But I can tell you that Jesus is with you in that valley every step of the way every step of the way and I'm going to prove it to you remember when we read the definition of what a valley was let's take another look it's defined as a low area of land between hills or mountains typically with a river or a stream flowing through it you catch that 
John 7, 37 through 38 says, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of the water will not thirst again, but whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. In John 4 and 13. Jesus is the source in the valley. And he's with us the whole time. When we need that refreshing, he's right there for the taking. He's that living water our soul longs for. The next time you find yourself in the valley, all you simply have to do is stay close to the river that will sustain you and lead you on. I don't know what you've come to this house today battling. But if the presence of God is here, and God wants to meet everyone at their need, no matter what it be. I want to open this altar this morning to anyone that needs a refreshing to someone who needs to feel that touch of God once again. Today is your day. You don't have to battle this by yourself. Jesus is here waiting to sustain you and to lift you up and to restore you once again. If we could all stand. ask you, God, to shed light, God, into the dark, God. Oh, Jesus, Lord, we worship you this morning, God. Lord, your word confirms to me, God, that you will sustain me, God, that you will bring me out, God. Lord, that you are that living water, dear God. Jesus, keep me close to you, God. Keep me near the foot of the cross, I pray today, God. Jesus, Lord, let me be let me be looking to those around me, God. Let me, Lord, not be so self-indulged in my own things, dear God. But, Lord, let me look for my brother and sister, God, who may be struggling today, God. Help me, Lord, to be a blessing to those around me, God. Help me, Lord, to minister to those, Lord, that need ministering to
They need strength. They need comfort. You're not in this alone. Let's make this 